hey there. I want to thank you for joining us today on the All People's Church Leadership Podcast. Today's message is a message from the vault. We are going to get to be hearing the Francis Chan message from World Mandate West 2020. Francis joined us with an amazing message about sacrifice, unity, walking with Jesus, and some personal miracles he got to experience on a trip to Southeast Asia. This was one of those defining moments for us if you were in the room that day, but we think you'll enjoy it even if you weren't there. So stay tuned as we're going to hear from Francis Chan at his World Mandate West Message 2020. Praise God. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm leaving in a few weeks uh, with my family, and so much of this is, is your fault. Um, I was in uh, Myanmar with, uh, with Jimmy uh, this last summer, and we were just going hut to hut in these slums. And at every, every, every hut, we just went in and either Jimmy would share or I would share. You know, whoever was sharing, the other guy was praying. And we're talking through a translator to people who had never even heard of who Jesus Christ is. And they're sitting there and they're listening and they're, they're just hanging on every word. I mean, I, just the hunger. And, and, and we just went from hut to hut to hut. And then after he left, I, I took my family. We started doing it. And... On the plane ride back, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, what do we do on an average day that even comes close to comparing to this? Like, this is so amazing. Every, everything just felt so peaceful in my life. Like, this is what we're made for. I'm actually speaking. I'm explaining to them that they have a creator and that that creator is their judge, but that their judge loves them and loves them so much that he sent his son to die. I mean, I'm just laying out the simple gospel and they're just listening. And so on the flight back, I just said to my wife, I'm like, what do you think about moving? <laughs> and she's like, let's do it, you know? And, uh, and, and it's, it's not an easy decision. We've got a couple kids in high school. We've got a, you know, eight-year-old. We've got a five-year-old. You know, we've got a few that are married. And, and it's just, what do we do? We want to pull them all out. And, you know, and then our, our married children are going to go different places in the world. And we're excited about that. But we're like, let's, let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. And... Uh, then my two son-in-laws started praying, fasting, and saying, hey, God told us to go with you too. We're like, whoa. So, yeah, so in, in, like, in like a month, all like 12 of us are moving out together with no clue like what we're doing. Seriously, like literally having no idea, saying let's just go there, let's just get there and pray. I just want to be closer to those who have never been reached. And, and I, I, I tell people, I go, it's kind of like, a, I go, I feel like I've been fishing in this pond, you know, the same pond my whole life. And that there's like a thousand other fishermen at the same pond. 
right? And our lines are getting tangled and fish are just swimming by all the bait. And every once in a while, one guy will catch a fish and we're all like, what kind of bait did we use? And we all like switch to that. And, and we're, we're just like getting each other's way. And, 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 and yeah, there's still fish and, and everything else. But what if, I, I said, what if I heard there was a, a pond that's like a five mile hike away and no one's there? Okay, and that the fish are biting like crazy. You just throw a hook in there and they'll go after it. I, I would make the five mile hike if I love fishing. I would make the five mile hike and just go, man, I want to be in that place where they're biting, they're hungry, and where no one else is fishing or very few people are fishing. I mean, it just made sense to me. And I thought, what would keep me at the old pond? I'll tell you what would keep me at the old pond. Well, I built a house on that pond. And all my friends live on that pond. We don't even fish that much, you know, but, but we hang out out front. We play basketball, you know. We, it's, it's just, that's what would keep me at that pond. But if I really love fishing, which sometimes I get it, it's so difficult. There's temptations. But I'm telling you, this is what we were made for. There's so much peace. Like you guys will be tempted. I, I was praying for you during the worship and I'm, I'm picturing you guys just kind of settling down and having a nice little house, cute little family, raising them, getting grandkids, just living comfortably. And I'm just like, oh no, you don't want to do that. You so don't want to do that. I promise you, you do not want to. That's not what you were made for. You were made for this mission to seek this kingdom first. Man, last week was like, I am not exaggerating, the best week of ministry of my life. Okay? We were overseas together. Jimmy was there again, you know, and, uh, you know, with a couple of buddies and, 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 uh, Okay, so one of the places we went, we were in this village, right, with zero, like no believers, not a single believer. And this lady had built relationships with the, the elder and the head monk and everything else. So they let us in this village and the whole village shows up. Man, like the entire village is there and they've never heard the gospel I can't even tell you how much peace there was. And I can't tell you how exciting it was. I'm just sitting there going, no way. They've asked me to be the one to share the gospel with these people for the first time through this translator. And my heart is just pounding with excitement. Because you're looking at this whole village and you, you get to, and someone else did all the groundwork, did everything, all the, I did the easy part. You know, and I'm, I'm preaching in front of this big old Buddha behind me and I'm just going for it. You know, just heart is pounding with excitement to tell them the good news. I'm just telling you, I've, I've never been so excited to share the gospel. It was so good. It was just like, this is what we're made for. And I'm just thinking, man, I want every one of you to feel this one day. Whether it's going hut to hut or, or speaking to an entire village, the words of the gospel. I, I just remember every hut after we were done, you know, Jimmy's like, gosh, is it more exciting every time you share it? I go, yes. Is that what you're thinking too? He goes, yes. It's like every time it comes out of my mouth, it's better, better, better. But at this village, 
then afterwards, then Jimmy gets up and he, and he starts saying, you know, anyone want healing? And, and I, you guys, you got to understand, like, I'm a, I spent many years in my Christian life not believing that God heals, like saying he doesn't heal. That was back then, and, and he doesn't do that much anymore. And in the last few years, that's changed. And I'm going, no, according to the word of God, I should be seeing a lot more of this, right? And I've been praying, praying, praying. And honest, I've never, God has never used me to heal anyone. I've been praying. I've been praying like crazy. Uh, there are times when I go, I have so much faith right now. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. No one has more faith than me. Oh, you know, and <laughs> nothing. I mean, seriously, it's been discouraging. Like I'm going, not even one. And it's not even just me. It's, it's whenever I'm around. I, I'm serious. It seems like no one can heal when I'm there. And I'm going, God, like, like, I literally would go to Africa expecting to see, go to India expecting to see. And it's, it's whenever I was there, it's like nothing was happening. You know, like, man, just yesterday before you got here, it just, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I just wanted to see it so badly. But at that village, when Jimmy called people forward to pray, I was laying hands on people, believing, going, God, you have to distinguish yourself from all other belief systems. You have to show off your power. Please, God, for the sake of these people, show them that what I was talking about was truth. And Jimmy can attest, everyone that came up to us and asked for healing got healed. Yeah, it was... I'm telling you, I was so pumped, you know, the curse is off of me, you know, it's just, no, it was just like everyone, and, and even when they say, you know, oh, my back is in so much pain, and like, oh, it feels a little better, I'm like, no, that, I don't want a little bit better, I want this whole, I want it completely gone, Lord, this isn't going to bring you glory if she goes home going, eh, I think so. No, it's got to be huge. It's got to be massive. And these are people who've never even heard about healing. They don't have any context for it. They have no reason to lie about it. I mean, the night before, oh, the night before, okay, we did this big outreach. And again, like crazy, crazy miracles. And again, I've never seen this before. There was a woman who was deaf and dumb with two of her children, deaf and mute, sorry. Is, is that okay? I don't know. Are you still allowed to say it? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, I just don't know what's politically correct anymore. Okay. Um, she couldn't speak. She couldn't hear. Okay. Um, was not able to speak nor hear. Okay. And... And neither were her children. And the night before, like, she, they came forward for healing and they, people prayed over them. Nothing. Nothing. But that night I got to lay out the gospel and they came forward to, 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 to ask Jesus into their lives. And then they asked for healing. And this 10-year-old girl 
just, her eyes get all big. And then tears come down her face and she gets this big smile because she can hear for the first time. And look, I, I don't, that may be old for some of you. You're like, ah, you're a new charismatic. I'm like, it, that freaked me out. And then she, as a 10-year-old, lays hands on her like seven-year-old brother along with others. And he gets this gift of hearing. And they're just freaking out. I'm freaking out. You know, mom pray. We prayed for mom, but not, she goes, a ah, little bit. I'm like, no, not a little bit, you know. Um, and and I, I don't know if she ever really got healed, but the, the, the son and the daughter, I'm just, the next day, some of our friends went back to visit them. And they said, yeah, they're, they're counting for the first time. Words are coming out of their mouth. And like, you guys, I, like, I, after that, I'm like, I could do this every day. I want to do this every day in my life. I want to do this every day in my life. I don't care how hard it is. Like, that's what I said. You know, I want to do this. And then we went to the village. I go, no, I want to do this every day in my life. It's just, there's this thrill. There's, there's nothing like it when you experience God in that way. And I believe that a lot of this is because of the unity that was there amongst the believers. I always knew this first part. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Okay, I always saw that like, ah, oh, it's so beautiful, so good when there's unity amongst brothers. But then the next verse says, it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. He says, when you dwell in unity, it's in that place when, when the believers are unified, when the brothers are unified, it's so good, it's so, go, it's so pleasant, but that's where God commands his blessing. I thought, whoa. So he commands his blessing life forevermore. And I'm telling you, when we, when we talked about it that morning, and then we had a big outreach at night, and the moment the gospel came out of my lips, the moment I called for people to come forward, man, all these people just got up out of their seats. And I mean, I honestly was not expecting that. I was like, whoa, God is commanding his blessing life forevermore upon these people. It's the same thing he says in John that if we can become perfectly one, the world's going to believe that Christ was sent. You guys, there are some truths in the Bible. As I was praying about what to share with you, because this could be the last time you see me. And, and understand, I don't know uh, exactly where I'm going to end up. And I don't really know what's going to happen to me. And just want to say publicly, like if anything does happen to me, like rejoice, you know, like I, I just can't picture dying of old age. That's what I'm saying. And like Paul says in Acts 20, 24, he says, I don't count my life as dear to me. I don't count my life as dear to me. 
Look, I have the same fears that every other human being has. I have the same fleshly desires of, oh, it'd be cool to see my grandkids grow up, everything. Of course it'd be cool, but at the end of the day, I don't count my life dear to me. And, and, and I remember sitting in places like this at your age and just thinking, oh, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know. And I'm just telling you now, it's like by the grace of God, I'm going, I think this thing's going to end differently than old age or just to say, I, I don't know. And if it does, man, I, I hope you look at me the way I look at those who've been martyred and go, man, I'm so jealous. He did it. She did it. She got to the end. She, she stayed strong, like a, a sense of jealousy because you just don't know what's going to happen. And we, there are just too many believers who are obsessed with staying alive. You know, you guys, we're here for like, boom. It's just a vapor. It's going to end. It's going to end. It's going to end for all of us. It's just a matter of how, the, when did it become? Let's see who can stay healthy the longest game. You know, it's just... No, let's spend our lives for Christ. And we lose it. We're going to find it. You lose your life. But I promise you, you try to save your life here, you're going to lose. You are. I, I, I don't regret any step of faith I've taken in my life. I really don't. Even the ones that hurt, even the ones that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Uh, so many disappointments in ministry, but no regrets. I don't go, oh, I wish I didn't try that. I look back, I go, man, praise God. Thank you, God, for your grace in my life that I still have faith. I always, I always told my wife, I go, I don't want to be one of those guys that does radical things when he's 18 and has got nothing to lose. Like, no one cares about me anyways. You know, let me just go. And, and then every year from then on gets safer and safer and safer and safer. Oh, no, I'm married now. I, I got to protect my wife. Oh, I've got a kid now. I got to protect my kid. Oh, I've got seven kids now. I got to protect all seven. No, the way I protect them is by showing them a life that it, where I'm not afraid to lose my life, you know, because, and I, I there's no way to explain how I felt like three weeks ago when I walked my second daughter up the aisle and gave her away. I was crying the entire walk up, you know, just sobbing. Love the guy that uh, she is marrying, a godly, godly, godly man. But I can't tell you like, ah, oh, the heartbreak of just like, man, I just all these memories as I'm walking up the aisle of, you know, her as a toddler, her swinging a bat for the first time, you know, just, just all these memories. And I'm just like, uh, uh, you know, the whole way up. And then, you know, when it's time to give her away, I'm just holding her going, no, not yet. You know, just no, 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 you know, but also the thrill of knowing she's fine anywhere on this earth. She's got this walk with the Lord, this mentality of just, she's not afraid to die. She literally, she'll talk about it. Like it's just, 
It's just, that's, that's the dream. You know, you, you, you want kids that, uh, some of you have young children. It's like you just want them fearless. Um, and that doesn't happen by living a safe life. It's by taking some risk and showing them that even when it doesn't feel good, there's no regrets and living like there's an eternity. And I'm just praying for you that, that some of this just catches on. Because like I said, I didn't want to get safer and safer. You know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I've said before, like, you know, when, when Peter walked on water, you know, and then he began to sink, gets back in the boat. And I was like, man, I don't want to be a guy that took a step of faith and then got back in the boat and wrote a book about it. You know, and I want to, I want to every year of my life, take another step away from the boat. And oh, I'm even older now. I'm going to go even more faith because I'm getting closer and closer to the end. I want to get further and take bigger steps of faith. And there are, there's a, there's a passage I, as I prayed about this, like what I want to share with you. Um, cause this is what I was dwelling on last week and it helped me so much in, uh, during that time of ministry and I believe God blessed it. And this morning when I was alone with the Lord, it hit me. Okay. Cause it's, it's from John chapter 14, like John 14 to 17, that whole section has just been so so beautiful to me the last month or so. I've just been meditating on it so much because I'm just picking things and I'm going, whoa, I never saw that. I never got that. And it was this morning I realized these were the first chapters of the Bible that I memorized as a high school student. When I was in high school, there was this, you know, Bible memorization thing. And the first four chapters I memorized were John 14 through 17 where we had to like, if you said any word, you'd be able to finish the rest of the verse. You know, you just need to know where it was. So I just knew these verses backwards and forwards as far as memorizing them in my head. But it's like now, like this morning, I'm like, God, this was the first thing you taught me. And I wish I had gotten it back then. But now it's like the most beautiful section to me, you know, 30 something years later. Pretty crazy but I'm hoping you get it now, okay? Because this is, okay. So in John 14, Jesus says to them, he goes, hey, he's explained that he's gonna leave, right? This is a, kind of his last supper time with his disciples. And he goes, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled, okay? Trust me, trust the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Okay, if I go, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. Where, you know, and, and so they ask him, they go, well, where are you going? How, we don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going. And Jesus says, it's, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. It's, he goes, it's not like a, a, a map. It's not you do this, you do this, you go. He goes, I'm the way. You just, just, just know me. You're with me. You, you're going to be there. But, but then here's the thing. Philip says something. He goes, just show us the Father. Remember that? He just said, Jesus, okay. Just show us the Father. Let us see him. And Jesus says the craziest thing. 
He's like, what are you talking about? Don't you know me? Philip, you've been with me all of this time. How can you say, show me the Father? He goes, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. What? What kind of answer is that? Anyone who's seen you has seen... No one talks like that. My kids at school, oh, I'd like to meet your dad. They're like, what? you've seen me. <laughs> like, no one talks like that. It is the craziest answer in history. But Jesus was pointing something out. This oneness with the Father is like nothing we can compare to on this earth. He goes, you don't get it. We are so perfectly one that if you've seen me you've seen the father and, and it's just this picture of God and his son and later he talks about his spirit and and it's this this, this and I know the concept of the trinity is like so deep and so incomprehensible and sometimes it's even frustrating because people go, well, why can't you just believe in one? And we're like, I do. I know you don't. It, I, and you can't explain it. But, but I'm starting to see the beauty in this. Because when it talks about our eternal God being a God of love. If there's no one else to love. And he just existed. I, I can't explain it. But the point is, is there was this perfect unity, this oneness, this three-in-oneness. And somehow he says, I've created you in my image. That somehow we were created to be one with them. And Jesus in his prayer in John 17, a few chapters later, is saying, Father, I'm praying that they may be one. He says, just like you are in me, and I'm in, I, I just, I want this perfect, I want them to be in us. It's like, in you? I mean, John 15, you know, the next chapter, he goes, he goes I'm the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Because every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes clean so that, so that, it, that it'll bear even more fruit. But the ones that don't bear fruit, he's going he's gonna to cut off. And, and he says, look, look, you abide in me. Stay in me. And, and, and I'll abide in you. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. He goes, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, I want you to live in me. Abide in me. Live in me. And, and, and I'm sitting there just dwelling on that, thinking, God, are you kidding me? So you're this holy, holy God who dwells in unapproachable light. And the Bible says, though, in Ephesians, that he has seated us with him in the heavenly realms. 
So somehow in a very real way, I am connected to Jesus as he's sitting far above all rule and authority. You get what's going on? He gives this picture of the father and son. And he goes, no, if you've seen me, you've seen him. It's like a perfect unit. You don't even, you don't even get it. And then he invites us into that. He says, Father, I want them to be with us. I want them to be just like, you know, just like you are in me. Just like? Wait, wait, but, but you said to, if you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son, and now you're saying that, that I am in that somehow? This is huge. And in, in John 17, um, he says in uh, verse 23, he says, uh, uh, let's go back to verse, uh, let's go back to 20. 1720 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. They may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That's the level of oneness that he wants. He says just as. He looks at the Father and says, you know how we're perfectly one? You know how I just, you know, told Philip that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So God, that's, I want them to be that united. I am praying that they become that united. God says, I've given you, he says, I've given them my glory. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. Do you believe that? For so many years, I didn't really shoot for that. I was just happy if we didn't fight. Right? You're just happy if people don't rebel in the church. And we just get along. But that's not what Christ prayed for. He says that perfect oneness. And when you become one, he says, I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you've loved me. This is why. I know that uh, you guys are here because you want to go and have an impact on the world. You want to go and you hear about going to an unreached group and some of you are ready to give your lives right now. But I think it's so important that you understand these passages first that 
the power is going to be dependent on you really abiding in Christ. Like genuine faith, like, no, no, he's here with me. No, I'm, I'm one with him. I, I am Jesus. I'm abiding in him. He's abiding in me. Perfectly one. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I was baptized, I, 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 was, I was dead. I, I was washed clean. Filled with the Spirit. One with God. That's what happened. Like I... See, when I first started believing, before anyone taught me the Bible, I just read it and I took everything literally. And I got so excited. I used to get so excited. I, I read, oh, with faith, I can move a mountain. No lie, I closed the door of my bedroom and just tried to move stuff. <laughs> Seriously, just going, mm. I believe, you know. I seriously tried to move a chair. I'm just like, Lord, okay, that wasn't enough faith. How this time? <laughs> I seriously was expecting, and then it's like, oh, okay, let me just start with a pencil. You know, <laughs> I did, I did, and then it went to paper, and it's like, ah, nothing, you know? And, but then people began to explain, ah, he didn't really mean that. And then after that, I just got a lifetime of, well, he didn't really mean that. He didn't really mean that. He didn't really mean that. He didn't mean like he would do more than you could ask or imagine, according to the power at work in you. He didn't literally mean that you would do the same things he did and even greater things than these. And, and everything was like reducing everything. Like, well, that was back then. That meant this. It, it got to the point where any promise in there, I just assumed it, it probably doesn't really mean that. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, that's where my mind got. Rather than taking God for his word, like we did last week, and going, no, Lord, this is how you authenticate the message. Show your power. This is no different from Elijah on Mount Carmel. Yet, in fact, it, it, that's one of my favorite verses is James 5, where he says, Elijah was a man just like us. I love that verse. Elijah was a man just like us. That means I'm not supposed to look and go, ooh, Elijah, he called down fire from heaven. No, the Bible explicitly says he was just a man just like you, with a nature just like yours, but he prayed fervently. And so I have to look at that. I don't look, you know, yes, yes, we look up to Elijah. Great. But it's like anything Elijah can do. Man, I, if anything, I have an advantage with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, and it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of believing. Man, I am just begging you guys, do not waste your life doubting the word of God, doubting his promises. I, I realized a few years ago, you know, I take God's commands very seriously and I tremble at his commands, but I realized I didn't tremble at his promises and take his promises that seriously. And I'm looking at his word now and going, no, this is it. This is it. 
This is true. The word of God is true. I've experienced it. I've seen it. It's, it's been years where I'm just going, God, you've answered so many prayers. You've listened to me and been so specific and loved me. I've just enjoyed like just abiding in his love. And yet there was just, even that first night of the outreach we did um, in that city, when I was walking back to the hotel, I was just telling my friends, I'm like, I feel like tonight was the first time that there wasn't any doubt in me. Like, I didn't realize how much was still stuck there of years of people saying it didn't really mean that, he doesn't really mean that, he doesn't really mean that. And when you were praying on that stage, I was on my knees screaming out to God, I know you can do this. I know you can do this. I see this in this work. This is what I believed ever since I was a kid. And, and Satan tried to rob that from me. But you're opening my eyes and it can happen, you know. And <laughs> believing that the deaf could regain their hearing by the power of God. And for the first time seeing it, I'm just telling you, there's nothing that compares to this. Um, yeah, praise the Lord. But I, I got to ask, like right now, do you believe at the core of your being And right this second, you are abiding in Christ. You're living inside of him. And he is living inside of you. That you are becoming perfectly one with Jesus. And there's a perfect unity with the Father because of what Jesus did on the cross. that you're not just another person, you're filled with his spirit. You were created in his image. You were not made to be alone. The very image of God shows you that with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you were made in that image not to be independent but to be in perfect fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? And do you believe that you're in that? And that you could walk around and go, no, I abide in Him. And do you believe there's a commanding of blessing when we as there? See, because if you believe, the hard part is believing that you and a holy God can be perfectly one. If you believe you're a member of Christ, you're going, wait, how could me, a sinful being, did Christ really accomplish that much on the cross that I could be perfectly one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? 
once you really believe that, then us becoming perfect, two human beings becoming perfectly one makes perfect sense. It was just the craziness of what Christ was saying. is like, no, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And then when that happens, I'm going to give you my glory. God, I give you my glory so that you can be perfectly one. And then when you're perfectly one, there's going to be this commanding of blessing. There's going to be this fruit. He says, I and them and you and me, may they become perfectly one so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Right now, there are so many divisions in the church that the world looks on and finds our gospel unbelievable. They're saying, so help me out with this. Jesus, you all believe that Jesus died on the cross to make you perfectly one. And you have his spirit that's in you and his glory upon you to make you perfectly one. But you guys don't get along. Like, do you understand how unbelievable that is to someone looking in? And I'm praying. I was praying for you during the worship, going, God, please, please, God, could this next generation just get it and say, no, I don't get all these divisions and these factions and everything else. Like, no, no, no. I'm believing the word of God and I refuse to talk negatively about a brother or sister. And even if we have some disagreements on theology, I'm going to pursue perfect oneness and perfect love with them. Because when we do that, that's where God's going to command the blessing. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about those because who just say, yeah, why don't we just all get along no matter, you know, and, 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 and that they just, they, who, don't judge them for their sin. Don't they? No, no, no. We can hate sin. We need to hate sin and love unity. It's possible. You do both. It's not just, okay, we let people go on in their sin so we can be perfectly one. No, that's not the church that Christ asked for. He wants his church to be pure, to represent him. And we need to fight sin. But there's a way to hate sin and love unity. And the other thing that I, you know, the Bible says, um, that there are times when we're supposed to say, you know what? I, I can't have anything to do with you. I mean, it, it talks about that in 1 Corinthians 5. It talks about those who call themselves brothers but are sexually immoral. And it gives this list of things. He goes, don't associate with them. That sin is a real issue. In fact, in Titus 3.10, he says, hey, warn the divisive person. Warn him again, then have nothing to do with him. Okay, there are those who will try to divide you. They'll try to divide me from you, you from me. Me from Jimmy, Jimmy from Andy. They'll, they'll try to divide you. And the Bible says, warn them against that. Warn them, warn them again. But then after that, have nothing to do with them. Just ignore them. Just walk away. I'm telling you, there's so many people on the internet right now that are just trying to divide the body of Christ. And some of you are clicking and going, oh, that sounds interesting, that sounds interesting. You guys, 
we have to learn to warn and then have nothing to do with them. See, when, when I was a kid, you guys, some of you guys remember this, I used to watch Monday Night Football every Monday religiously. And, and what was funny about Monday Night Football is every week some clown would like run onto the, you know, uh, onto the field in the middle of the game and you just see like the referees and the police try to tackle the guy and everyone's just laughing, laughing, laughing. Every week, you know, they'll take his shirt off, he'll have something funny on it. You know, just different people at different stadiums. But then the networks decided, hey, let's not, if we don't film those guys, I bet you they'll stop doing it. And so that's what they did. You never, you see a guy about to take off, like, oh, I want to see it, you know, and they wouldn't show you. And then pretty soon those guys stopped doing it. And I just wonder if Titus 3 is saying the same thing. You know, we warn those who are dividing the body of Christ and are becoming famous by being divisive. And what if we stop clicking and watching everything that they say negatively about our brothers and sisters. You know, it's like that that's what Jesus commands us to do. So it's very counterintuitive, okay? Here's 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 what I'm realizing. Those of us who are peacemakers by virtue of being a peacemaker, you don't want to fight, right? But there's a sense in which you have to fight against those who divide. And so it's like we need peacemakers who are willing to fight and willing to warn those who are dividing the body. Because I want to see the glory of God. I want to see a power that is just clearly you can't make that up in the flesh. You can't fake it. Man, I live for those moments now. And the Bible says that happens when you're going to become perfectly one. And so I have been praying for you, going, God, could it be this generation that just says, it's, it's fine if you're going to be in that denomination, that denomination. Um, but do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on that cross for your sins? And do you call him your Lord and your Savior and his spirit in you to make you more and more like him? So that means no matter how perfect I think my theology is, you got to get to that point where you go, I only see in part. And so the apostle Paul only saw like in a mirror dimly. He had this dim view of God. He goes, one day I'm going to see him face to face and, and, and I'll, I'll know him just like I'm fully known. But right now I just get this dim picture. And so if we all believe that and we would just humble ourselves Man, I'm praying for humility on you. Okay, when I was at my daughter's wedding a couple weeks ago, I, I, it was in Ireland because she married this Irish guy, and I don't even understand half of what he says. But uh, <laughs> he's from there, and, but he, one of his groomsmen, you know, we're having breakfast with one of his groomsmen, and, uh, and he's a, he teaches kids with special needs in, in Ireland. And, uh, and he was, you know, high school students, but their mentality wasn't there. And, and, and he, he goes, you know, in Ireland, we, we can kind of talk freely about what we believe. And he goes, and I kind of thought to myself, how do I talk to these people, though? They can't understand God. 
He goes, that was my mentality going into it. He goes, but as I started talking to them, I realized, whoa, God has revealed himself to them in a special way. And he says, I realized my problem. He goes, when I pictured God, I imagined him speaking to people in heaven in English at my intelligence level. Which the Bible says is not true because he says as, the, as the, the heavens are above the earth, that's, that's, my thoughts are so far beyond you. My ways are so far beyond. He goes, but I seriously thought of God communicating in English at my intelligence level. But that's not true. He goes, do you realize how accommodating God had to be to get my mind to understand the gospel? <laughs> right? Seriously, think about it. I had never thought about that. He goes, think about how much he had to accommodate us. He goes, that gap between his intelligence, however he speaks, however he communicates, he got down to my level and explained it to me down here. He goes, so the gap between me and someone with special needs is, you know, maybe just so infinite, you know, just whatever that word is, infinitesimal, just small, real small compared to this gap, this accommodating. The only reason why we understand him is because he humbled himself and he accommodated us so that we could know him, right? So who are we to think, oh, I know God so much better, where we'll put each other down and act like we know in full, but you only know in part. And just the, man, that really impacted when he said, think about God and how accommodating he was to you. You just go, you know what? Praise God for his grace that I know him. And I'm not going to let those who maybe are more intelligent kind of bully and make me think that I don't know God like they do. And in the same way, I'm not going to look at those who maybe I have more intelligence to them to think that I understand God in a way that they can't. No, I just, just another brother in Christ going, whoa, thank you, God. Because his brain never would have comprehended even the tiniest bit of you. It took me this long to realize that that passage is talking about how I could be one with you and perfectly one with my brothers and to pursue that. And when I pursue that, I'll see that power. And so, man, I, the last thing I just want to say to you guys is I love what God is doing amongst you. Man, to see your passion for churches to be planted in unreached people groups. I, I, I'm not, I don't say this. This is the only place I've ever said it. It's like I don't know of another church in America that is doing what you guys are doing. And I, I just praise God for that. And the, the level of faith in your leadership. And as I meet people that have left this church and, and gone overseas, and I see the faith in their lives, man, you have so many great models. Don't listen to those who will say, God didn't re did God really say, did God really say, did God really say? 
God didn't mean that. Does that sound familiar? I'm telling you, it's from the enemy. God did say, he really did say, he really did say that I'm perfectly one with him right now. You can be perfectly one with him right now. And if that's a doubt in your mind, it's of the enemy. Look, I've got my insecurities in the flesh. I get it. I grew up with a dad that beat the heck out of me and never had one conversation with me. And I was pretty glad when he died when I was 12. So I get it. There's baggage in the flesh that we have to overcome. But I'm telling you, the enemy will use that and try to have you impose that on your heavenly father. And it's just not true. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves me so much. He is so crazy about me. He is so crazy about me. You know, when I was giving my daughter away and everything in my heart was just torn apart. I mean, I was crying in that that first father-daughter dance. I was sobbing through the entire thing, the entire thing, the entire song. They were singing that Taylor Swift song of what, don't grow old or whatever that is. And, uh, but I just kept hearing the words, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, thinking, God, I am so crazy about this girl. And you're saying to me right now, that's the fraction of what I feel for you. If you being evil know how to love like that, imagine a perfect God, a perfect father. And when you learn to walk in oneness and be held by the father like that, that's when the things of the world grow strangely dim and the American dream just seems like a joke and you go, God, I just want more of you. Make me perfectly one, perfectly one. <laughs>